0: Good morning. I like that. I am Marianne Law Sunday, and I am a member of River Heights Vineyard, and I am the mother of Justin Law and also David Law, and I'm really pleased that uh, his wife Susie and uh, my two grandkids, Kellen and Emery, are sitting right over here. So it's special this morning. It's Mother's Day, and I've been invited to give the message this morning, which is appropriate. Once I was asked, and I prayed about it, and I thought, okay, well, it is appropriate because I am a matriarch. And uh, a matriarch is defined as someone, uh, a woman who is one of the oldest members of the tribe and uh, has knowledge and good judgment. And I qualify in terms of uh, age. I do have experience, and there's just always hope about the good judgment, right? <laughs> I appreciated it when other volunteer preachers have shared some of their histories, So I decided I would share some of mine with you. <clears throat> I grew up as a Methodist preacher's kid in, in Minneapolis. I went to college in St. Paul. I started out my career as an English teacher in St. Louis Park. I married John Law, who is a Methodist pastor who served churches in northern Minnesota at the time. And our two boys, Justin and David, who are four and a half years apart, were both born in Thief River Falls. When they were three and seven, Their father was appointed to the United Methodist Church in Austin, Minnesota, which is as far south as we were north at the time. What happened was that within uh, two and a half years, we were invited out of United Methodism. And that was because there was a conflict that was caused in that particular congregation for putting too much emphasis on personal commitment to Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the importance of praying together. Thankfully, we were very soon introduced to John Wimber, who is the founding father of the Vineyard um, Movement, at a Holy Spirit conference in Denver, Colorado. And we felt like we were spiritually home. Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, John Wimber was always very affirmative of John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism in England. The decision was made to plant the first vineyard congregation in Minnesota in Austin. And at that time, we were in fellowship with Victory Fellowship Church which was in Burnsville. And that congregation soon became the second vineyard church in Minnesota. That vineyard congregation was the spiritual home for John and Sue Marsden. And during a Holy Spirit conference that the Austin Vineyard was having, John and Sue Marsden had a very strong Holy Spirit experience. And that led really quite quickly to a vineyard uh, congregation being planted in Inver Grove Heights. And so look around and just think. Obviously, God has honored the faithfulness of John and Sue and those first 20 adults Uh, believers who came here in this area to plant the vineyard along with their uh, 25 kids who were with them. While John Law was planting and pastoring a vineyard congregation, we were both parenting, of course, and I became the director of a nonprofit organization that provides parenting, education, resources, programs, and services that all came under the banner of Parenting is hard work and you deserve support. In addition, I was trained and worked as a child advocate for the district courts, making recommendations to judges in the best interests of children who were in the child protection system because of physical or emotional or sexual abuse. Judges make the determinations as whether children are returning to their families, being reunified, or whether there is going to be a termination of parental rights, which leads to kids being in long-term foster care or moving into adoption. That's work that I still do part-time. I would be remiss if I did not tell you that John Law died at the age of 68 when I was 60, that I was a widow for seven years when Paul Sunday came into my life, which is a very delightful Holy Spirit story, and that we were married a year later, which added to Justin and David and his wife Susie and Kellen and Emery, my two biological grandkids, five more adult children, and 14 more grandchildren. (laughs) And so there they are, and uh, that's the wedding picture. So in nine years, I will tell you that all of those cute little kids standing in the front rows, everyone is taller than I am now. (laughs) We are more than halfway into the empowered series of Sunday messages on the Holy Spirit, which is leading up to Pentecost Sunday in two weeks. Pete preached on the Holy Spirit as giver of revelation, it's kicking off the uh, series. Justin then preached on the Holy Spirit as healer. Two Sundays ago, we experienced practicing encouraging prophecy together. Last Sunday, Peter preached on the value of pushing beyond our comfort zone to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of each other. And today, I'm going to have us focus on experiencing the Holy Spirit as our spiritual parent. Before I begin, would you pray with me, please? Creator God... We want to honor you. Jesus, you are our Savior and Lord. We are so thankful for you for rescuing us from our sins, for your forgiveness and crucifixion and resurrection that provides us with eternal life. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to heal us, to counsel us, and to empower us in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. You will not be surprised that after I said yes to bringing a message today, I did what any one of you would do who has been engaged in four uh, series, four weeks of Holy Spirit uh, series messages. I asked the Holy Spirit What would you like the message to be for this congregation on Mother's Day? And you are experiencing the answer. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts for our good. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning good and evil spirits, the praise language of tongues and interpretation of tongues, inspired serving. Teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, compassion. Some of these seem familiar, like serving and teaching. And then there are the ones that may seem out of reach. And one of those gifts that often feels out of reach to most of us is miracles. Wouldn't we all like to experience miracles? The Holy Spirit's message to you this morning is that you, each one of you, is his miracle. Isn't it true that every time you see a tiny infant that you think, isn't that a miracle? You began as God's seed of faith formed as both universal in your humanity and totally unique. There is only going to be one of you ever. Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 and 27, reads that God said, after the end of days of amazing creativity, let us... Us. That's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, male and female, he created them. And in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, the psalmist sang, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It is a miracle that you were born after months of growing and living in fluid inside your mother's body to being ready for air in a matter of moments which I tell you will miraculously happen again when you leave this earthly realm and enter the eternal spiritual realm. It happens whether after minutes of earthly life or years and years of earthly life. In the blink of an eye, you will make that transition because it's how you are designed. And you from the very beginning have been filled with potential which will be released into your life at different times, during different circumstances, when you are ready and in God's timing. Human development has a parallel in spiritual development. There are ages and stages including bursts of growth that happen as we grow physically and they happen by the power of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual lives, too. The first year of our physical life, when so much is happening foundationally, especially in establishing the bonds of trust, none of us even remember. If we have been blessed with one or two healthy parents and perhaps older siblings, we are being immersed in love in that first year of life. We got a picture up there? This is one of my very favorite photos. It's four-month-old David with four-year-old Justin. Justin tells me that he remembers climbing into David's crib and enjoying being with him. What a bond is being established. And David has no conscious memory of those crib times at all. In spiritual development, this is the stage that the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, called prevenient grace, God at work before we know it. Pre means before, and venient means knowing. Prevenient grace is God's active presence in our lives before we are even aware of the divine. It's the Holy Spirit preparing us to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to respond in faith. Provenient, you know, also means in the faith dimension, the times where God goes before us before we're even aware. And it's when Jesus says, you know, I go before you and following me, Provenient grace is very, very real in all of our lives. Even in the early months of life, we are beginning to experience being trained. In healthy parenting, training means providing loving protection, clear instruction, and helpful correction. It's a balance of needed nurturing, which is warm, affection, and structure, which is clear standards and safe rules. It's very much like the balance of God's law and God's grace. I'd like you to think for a moment about your image of Jesus as the good shepherd. Perhaps you have seen a picture of Jesus carrying a lamb in his arms. The one that you're seeing is a favorite of mine. For me, it's an image of safety and affection. The Good Shepherd scripture that usually comes to mind, if you're familiar with the Bible, is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. He provides for me. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. Do you recognize this as Holy Spirit language? Jesus, our Good Shepherd, is the perfect parent through his Holy Spirit. Verse 4 of the 23rd Psalm is, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death is more than when we're faced with serious illness or when we're coming to the end of our earthly life. We are in the valley of the shadow of death from the moment we arrive in this earthly realm. It is sometime around the age of six when a child realizes that death is real. And it's not just about really old people and pets. It's personal, and it can feel pretty scary. And for some of us, it can feel really scary right up into the present. So where's our comfort? Our comfort is in our shepherd, our rescuer, Jesus Christ, and his rod and his staff. Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to be his presence and his voice. In the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us that his heart is that we will recognize his presence and follow his voice. And what about his staff and rod? You probably recognize the hook of the staff and know that it's used for reaching out to bring back wandering sheep or one that's headed in the wrong direction or one in crisis needing rescue. It may be a new revelation to you that the shepherd also uses the staff to show his love to the sheep. The shepherd will rub the staff against a sheep's back, and he uses his staff to pull a timid sheep closer. You may not be as familiar with the shepherd's rod. It's a bar with an end that has a knob. The rod's purpose is protection, not punishment. When a good shepherd uses the end of the rod, he uses it to nudge or maybe prod a sheep in the right direction. A good shepherd never hits or beats his sheep. A good shepherd has a strong throwing arm and very good aim. The rod is thrown to fend off any predator, any enemy, that's attempting to steal or to kill his sheep. I hope that you are very clear in your mind that in God's plan, the hearts of healthy parents are totally invested in their children and nothing in them wants to harm or damage their children. Human parents, however, are imperfect. I am all too aware that many of us have been hurt or harmed by the people we needed to have love and protect us. Family neglect, trauma, and tragedy are big parts of the pain of this damaged world. God, our creator, Jesus, our savior, and his Holy Spirit are perfect. And with them, often through faith relationships and prayer ministry, It is never too late to receive the healing, nurturing, and wise counsel that we need. There are times in all of our lives that we have opportunities to make decisions. Some decisions are small and some decisions are big. It's true in the various areas of life. And it's a fact that the decisions that we make shape our life stories. Without a doubt... The most important life decision we make is what we're going to decide for ourselves about God. For me, the decision was made at a Christian youth camp when I was 13. I was blessed to be born in a Christian church with Christian parents. I learned the Bible stories. I was in church every Sunday listening to my father preach. I was singing the Christian hymns, saying the Apostles' Creed, and reciting the prayer of confession. I considered myself part of the team. I was, in fact, in the uniform, sitting on the team bench. What I knew for sure from the time I was a little girl was that this world is a very risky place, and I did not want to have to maneuver living in it alone. The summer I was 13, I was with a group of my adolescent peers at an evening gathering in the lodge at Kingswood Church Camp, and we were singing the African-American folk hymn, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, Tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? While I was singing that song, I began to internally, uncontrollably tremble. I did not have the Holy Spirit language for what was happening to me at the time. What I did know was that my relationship with Jesus Christ was changing. It was now personal. During that song, I crossed the line from this is a family belief to this is my own relationship with my God. Jesus said, I am the way. And wherever life was going, I was with him. There comes a time in parent-child relationships, after birthing and a dozen or so years of training through direct teaching and role modeling, that healthy parents recognize the trustworthiness of their children and give them the responsibility and the space to function independently while carrying the family name. This too has a parallel in spiritual development. In the 6th chapter of Mark, Jesus sends out 12 disciples in pairs. They're going out throughout Galilee. In the 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus sends out 72 disciples throughout all of Judea in pairs. The scripture from Mark chapter 6, 6-13 through 13 reads, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two, and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, Shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The disciples went out with the support of another friend. They had some high standard instructions from Jesus. They had the promise that they had his authority, that they could speak and act, and he would back them up. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit fruit that will last. I want you to watch one of my favorite alpha video clips that I believe portrays what's happening with the 12 disciples and what's happening with us as we learn to function in Jesus' name under the direction of His Holy Spirit.
1: I read this story about a 24-year-old guy called Alan Anderson who was in a light aircraft and there were only two people in the plane, this guy, Alan Anderson, and the pilot. And as they were flying, the pilot suddenly dropped dead from a heart attack. So here was this guy, no flying experience on his own in this plane. Well, he managed to get out a May Day emergency call and a guy called Robert Legg, who was a flying instructor, responded to the May Day call and caught up with him 2000 feet above Penarth, near Cardiff in Wales. And at the same time there was an amateur radio enthusiast called Howard Day and he was listening into their conversation and he recorded everything that they said. The first thing that Anderson said when he saw the instructor coming alongside was I can see you. To which leg the instructor said OK, just listen to my instructions, take the throttle and pull it slightly until the RPM drops down to about 2300. Anderson says well, which is the throttle? So Leg replies, okay, there should be a black lever in the centre of the panel. That's fine, just let the aeroplane fly itself. And Anderson goes, I wish it would. And then Leg says, read the airspeed. The airspeed's 105. Okay, well, look out to your right-hand side. You can see me. Just relax. And then Anderson says, are we going down? And Leg replies, yeah, yeah, we are shortly. Just bank gently to the right. We're aiming for that wide tarmac airstrip to the right of the red and white lights. Can you see it? Affirmative. Okay, we'll reduce the power slightly. What's your airspeed now? Uh, It's about 100. Okay, we'll pull very gently onto the control column and then close the throttle. And just hold it there. Pull very gently back and hold it there. Hold Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold the control column back. That's it. Okay, and relax. Now, on the rudder pedals, press the top of the rudder pedals and you'll find the brakes. Press both the rudder pedals together and you'll find the brakes. I can't find the brakes! Okay, don't worry, don't worry. The emergency vehicles are just coming up behind you. Just sit in the aircraft and leave the engine rumbling uh, and now turn the keys to off and then take them out. The engine should stop. Has the engine stopped? Yeah, the keys are out, just stopping now. Oh, thank God. You're welcome. It's all in a day's work.
0: I never get tired of watching that video. I could listen to their dialogue and the tone of their voices over and over and over. Think about Alan Anderson as any disciple of Jesus Christ facing a very real need and feeling unprepared and ill-equipped. And think about the Holy Spirit being the aviation instructor who is very well prepared and is more than willing to provide the needed help. Did you pick up on these things? The instructor came alongside. The instructor did not remove the circumstances. The instructor did not take over the controls. The instructor expected cooperation. The instructor gave clear directions. Alan Anderson followed the directions as best he could. He did not say, I won't do this. And he did not have an emotional breakdown. The instructor was wonderfully calm and encouraging The instructor was not angry over Alan Anderson's anxiety and mistakes. The instructor had additional support waiting. Will the worship team come back up now, please? In human development, we come into this world as babes, full of potential and needing parental protection, instruction, and correction, until we reach a point where we can be trustworthy in how we think and how we act. Jesus loves us more deeply than any human parent. He is committed to training us and releasing our full potential as his disciples through the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit for the good in this world. I have a favorite parenting book title. The title is Once My Child, Now My Friend. I am blessed to know that as a reality with my sons. Jesus says to each one of you this morning, if you have come to me as your Savior, you are my child. And when you live your life, Guided by my Holy Spirit, you have become my friend. As we usually do, we have three tips for you for the coming week. Something to read, something to pray, something to do. For reading, I hope you'll read all of Psalm 139. And the first 14 verses in the 10th chapter of Luke which is Jesus sending out the 72 in pairs. And for praying, if you haven't yet, this morning is a perfect time to tell Jesus that you want him to be your Savior and your Shepherd and ask for his Holy Spirit. And most of us in this room are already Jesus followers. And if that's true for you, I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit for a new growth spurt in your spiritual life. And the do. Intentionally ask someone to be your prayer friend. A prayer friend is someone you can ask to support you in prayer and can ask you for support in prayer. And... That is someone who will partner with you to go pray for others.